the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the big questions we always have here at headquarters for AFR when we're doing Exploring the Word is where in the world is Alex? But he told us where he was yesterday and was going to be there again today. So he's in northern Georgia at a camp. And Alex, how's camp going? Oh, camp is a blast. Camp is wonderful. And I think everybody will see why in just a moment. But Bert, it's great to be with you and great to be on Exploring the Word. And um, actually, we're, we're kind of in south Georgia, not too, too far from the Alabama state line at a wonderful Christian camp called Woodlands Christian Camp. And Bert, I'm just the most fortunate guy in the world because I get to talk to young people about the Lord and about biblical worldview. And that's important, isn't it? It really is. And listen, uh, young people want to know that. These students want to know that. The ones that I deal with, uh, they appreciate truth. And uh, in a day when everybody's trying to cultivate their way through everything, it's great to have the Word of God that's a sure, sure guide. So, Alex... Uh, it sounds like you may have somebody there close by. We do. We do. Now, folks, I wanted to introduce some of the finest young people in our nation, honestly. And I, we've got 130 people here, I guess. But uh, with me here in the conference room at Woodland Christian Camp, the office, is Caden, Suzanne, Evie, Lexi, James, and Logan, and also one of the leaders from Pine Grove Baptist Church in Mississippi, uh, Susan Lang. But I want you to meet some of these people, folks. These kids are tremendous. Now, now, Caden, you are from Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's where I'm from. And, and what grade are you in, Caden? Um, I'm in the 11th grade. 11th grade. And um, let me ask this. Of your age group, like how many of your friends are, are believers and know the Lord? Um, so with my homeschooling, we have like a kind of a smaller group, but for the majority, um, I've been blessed to have a friend group that just really knows the Lord. Mm -hmm. But, um, I do have like a more of a secular group that I'll like see at work. And, um, fortunately I'm going to have to say probably about eight of those people in that group just wouldn't have the Lord. They would just reject them every chance they got. And, and at the camp, um, some of the stuff we're teaching this week, is it helping you maybe be more bold in your witness? Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Amen, amen. So I'm going to uh, throw it out to the group here, uh, Suzanne, Lexi, the, the girls. What what kind of issues are on the minds of your friends, whether it be like spiritual issues or the state of the country or morality? Um, what what kind of things do, does your age group want answers to? They probably just want to know if, like, how they can believe, like, how they can feel God in their spirit. Because some people, they just, when you try to tell them about God, they just don't want to believe it. They Mm -hmm. just want to see the things. Because people nowadays, they want proof, hardcore evidence that God is real or about something. And that's what some of, I guess, the teenagers, our age group, want. Mm -hmm. And that's why what we're doing, like with all this apologetics and biblical worldview, it's important, isn't it? 
Yes, sir, it is. Yeah. Um, uh, Evie and Lexi. Um, and folks, I just wish you could see these wonderful young people. Um, how's camp going for you guys? What What are you going to remember from the summer of 2023? I'm definitely going to remember the speakers as well as the messages that they're trying to bring out and how they're bringing them out. They're they're presenting the messages in more of a like modern way. It's not like the, it's not like the traditional way isn't bad. It's just a lot of times, especially like younger people, don't really find it as like eye catching or they don't have interest in it. And the way that the speakers here do this, very very um, interest catching. Amen. Well, praise God, Lexi. How about you? What What's been memorable so far this week? So I've always loved music. So all the worship and the music, I uh, really love, and that's my favorite part of camp. Amen. Amen. That's great. I've got over here a couple of godly young men, James and Logan. James, what grade are you in? Uh, I'll be going into 10th grade. Yeah. What's your best subject? My best subject would probably have to be history. Oh, okay. Great. Um, how How is this camp? I know there's paddle boats and games and all the fun camp stuff, but we're we're into the Word of God and drilling down deeply. What what have you heard so far this week that's going to help you, brother? Well, um, I've gotten a lot of inspiration uh, to very uh, to really spread my faith and uh, my belief in God. Um, it is definitely inspired me and uh, made me more um, want to really uh, spread the word more. So when I, it really has had an impact on me. Um, I do love this camp and all these uh, songs that we do. Uh, you can really see everyone at this camp really get into it and show how much they also believe, which is what I really love about this camp. Everyone is very close to the Lord here. Amen. Amen. Bert, um, uh, do you have a question for our group? Yeah, I want to know where these guys are from as well. I, I, you know me in geography. I, where is the, are they all from Florida or are they different places? Um, Logan, where is, where is Pine Grove Baptist? It's in House, Mississippi. Okay. House, Bert, do you know where House, that is? House, Mississippi. I do not. I've not been that. I thought it had been everywhere. But yeah. uh, let me just is, tell you, when it comes to Pine Grove in Mississippi, there's a lot of them. You have to know where they are. I know three or four of them right here around us in northeast Mississippi. But it's good, man. I love those young people. Alex, does Amen. that? what it does, does it bring energy to you to be around them? Oh, it does. It does. I, I'm, I'm loving it. And uh, in, in addition to myself, we have some great speakers that we work with a lot, like Carl Kirby and Dave Glander and Tina Marie Griffin. But um, Logan, I, I want to ask you, and then Bert and I'll get to the Bible study. How, how about yourself? What's, what's been important to you this week in terms of what we're learning? I just, um, it's been important to me, like, because whenever sometimes I share the word, I get nervous, but this camp's helped me not get nervous whenever Amen. I do. Amen. 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 Guys, any further thing you want to say? A lot of people are listening all across America, and I know Bert and I speak for people. We care about your generation. Yeah. How can we be praying for, for you guys? How how could we be praying for, for your generation? Um be praying uh, for um, us, us for youth. It's really um, it's really hard to get into this word because as we're growing up, some things are in. Sadly, um, with um, it's just it makes the youth um a little more. It it's sad to say that 
in some topics it'd be considered not cool to talk about the Lord. So that's definitely something I'd like a prayer to be said about because mm-hmm. I I love talking about the Lord. Amen. I'll, I'll Amen. take any chance that I get. Hey, God bless you guys. Hey, Alex, can I pray for them and all this? Would you mind yeah, we me got, doing that? One, Caden wants to make a comment. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Bert Caden. is going to pray. Um, one thing that I definitely have seen when I've gone to try and like evangelize like just local areas is that the eyes of the young generation, my generation, have been closed and the ones that are open they're searching for truth and they're trying to find it but there's just so many things distractions keeping them from seeing um the truth and because this world is just coming after them because you know devil knows that the next generation's got got to be a fighter for the lord and he's just doing everything he can for to get keep that from happening so i think that the best prayer that could be said for our generation is that just the Lord would open up their eyes and that they would see truth. Amen. Amen. Well, Bert, I'm, uh, if you want to lead us in prayer, that would be great. I will. Father, I just praise you for what is taking place there in Georgia. God, those youth that are listening and, and Father, being equipped to stand for you in a difficult time. Father, those young men and young women, Father, when I hear their voices, I see I hear the clarity that they trust you, and they know they're dependent upon you in this generation. So I pray you would equip them, strengthen them. And, Fathers, the prayer was open their eyes, Lord. Open the hearts of their minds that they could see the wonderful works in creation, the wonderful works you've done in history, the wonderful things you're doing in people's lives right now, Father. May it be clear. May it be strong. And, Father, for this night, I, I'm sure they'll uh, getting ready to leave out tomorrow. May tonight be a special, special night service that you would just help them to consecrate themselves, giving themselves to you. So open the eyes of their hearts, Lord, not them there only, but the whole generation coming up. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, God, Bert, that was a beautiful prayer. And guys and girls, thank you all so much. And we'll see you when I get finished with exploring the Word. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, We're not going to get into the Word. So while we're doing that, talking about that generation, let's talk about the greatest generation just from Well, amen. It was June the 6th, 1944, when thousands of young men, especially American men, yes, from Canada and some from Britain, as they would storm the beaches of Normandy and start bringing World War II to an end. What a day that was. And I looked this up, and, uh, you know, our president at that time was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and I I just want to read the first paragraph of his prayer that he prayed. Almighty God, our sons, the pride of our nations, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Now, it's a long prayer. It's a wonderful, beautiful prayer. But that was the way it was in 1944. And Alex, people were praying. Our president was praying. We need to continue praying. Just like we prayed for this generation, we need to pray for America today. 
Amen. We do. And you know what? My father was 19 at that point. My dad was there in the invasion of Normandy. And uh, in fact, if I could be so bold, because I was so proud of my dad. He was a decorated veteran. I've got a picture of him uh, getting into the cockpit of a, an SB-2C. Many of you will know what that airplane was. And I'm going to send that picture to Brent. Maybe we might put it on the website. Do but that. Amen. Bert, for the veterans, for those that have given their life for our freedom and our country, and for a sovereign God that has blessed America, we do commemorate D-Day, and we thank God for all that it means to be an American. I heard a historian say most of those young men, 19, 20, 21, they stepped up when it was needed to be. May we step up in this time in 2023. We'll be back with more right after this break for Exploring the Word. Castle tour. I built up every wall. This is my kingdom, and it needs to fall. I want you and no one else. Empty me of myself until the only thing that's left is. Well, coming to you live. Coming to you live from Woodland Christian Camp in Georgia, this is Alex, but back in Tupelo at American Family Association is Bert Harper, and this is Exploring the Word, and we are in Acts chapter 2. Bert, I just want to say thank you in that first segment for allowing us to bring in six or seven of the 125 or 30 teenagers that are here at our first of six Christian camps we're doing all summer long all around the country because we want to see God raise up a generation of, of godly, committed young people. Thank you, Alex, for getting them. What a joy it was, and the energy level just went up. Now, you and I usually have a lot of energy, but I want to tell you, uh, they brought extra energy, and I praise God for that, and I love that. So thank you for for asking them and then uh, interviewing them. That was wonderful, brother. It, it, listen, this ought to give all of our audience hope. There's some godly young people out there. I know we hear about everything, and it is bad. It is the woke, and but yet we've got young people that are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. And so praise God in the darkest moment, the bright light shine brightest. Amen. Well, and I want to say this, and we'll get to Acts 2, but um, there are kids here from Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, even Michigan. And I want to tell you, I couldn't do all that I do without American Family Radio letting me promote Tim Wildman for 13, 14 years so graciously has allowed me to talk about things and promote. And everybody listening uh, shares in these rewards because I know the listeners make it possible. And we, I've got a picture of, a, of an altar call that we'll send and uh, all these kids making a decision, following the Lord, standing strong. Bert, this is a, a huge nationwide team effort, isn't it? It really is. And, and, and Alex, let me just tell you this. I'm here in Tupelo. You're considered one of our ambassadors for AFR. As you travel, I listen, it's a blessing 
for us. And and honestly, uh, more than just exploring the word, Brent and myself and Richard and and Robert, that that's the team. Everybody, how's Alex Amen. doing? Where's Alex at this <laughs> week? Uh, they know you're on the road somewhere, and so they'll ask. And so praise the Lord. But we do God thank God good. for Tim. He said he, at oh, three o'clock word. in the afternoon, we need to hear the word of God. And that's what we do. We, uh, yes, we have the issues that come up and we comment on them, but that's not what our program's about. Our program is about the word of God and letting the word of God dwell in us richly that it might equip us to stand in the evil day. And mm. so that's what we want to do. And in Acts 2, Listen, we did Acts 1 yesterday, and we had Matthias added. Uh, We saw them, and there's a key word or key phrase that you'll see, one accord. That was true in chapter 1. You'll find it at the beginning and ending of chapter 2, one accord. They were there together. Now, let me read, if I could, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And, Alex, I'll just read it, and you make the first comment. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a day, Alex. (laughs) Amen. Well, th- this is so amazing. You know, I was reading in John chapter 12 um, earlier, John chapter 12, 28, 29, when Jesus said, Father, glorify thyself. And the voice from heaven said, uh, I will glorify my name and glorify it again. And some said it thundered. Okay. This is like that again, this mighty rushing wind, this thunderous voice from heaven that the Spirit of the Lord, the presence of the living God was there. I do think it's interesting. Let me just um, speculate a little bit in verse 3. When the Spirit of the Lord fell on the disciples, and it said, cloven tongues of fire. Now, the, the Greek word, the word translated in English is cloven or divided. And in, in the Greek, it's dividing. Now, Bert... <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to know what you think about this, but let me let me tell you at least um, the incarnation, Jesus, fully God, fully man. So in the ministry of our Lord, there was the human side of Jesus, perfect humanity, but also full deity. In the life of a Christian, a divided cloven tongues of fire. There's um, the spiritual nature but there's the carnal nature. There's the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but there's also our mind and our body yielded to Christ. So here's my question. Just as there was a duality to Jesus, isn't there a a dual nature to the born-again believer indwelt with the presence of God and serving the Lord? There really is, and let me just share with you. That's what Paul talked about a good bit in Corinth. He's talked about the carnal believer and the, the the spiritual believer. Now, you had the natural man. The natural man's a person that is lost. They've never been born again. But believers can let their old nature dominate, and that's what they call carnality or fleshly. 
or we can be led by the Spirit and let the Spirit of God dominate. And so we want to feed upon the Word of God. We want to feed in prayer of serving Him, of accountability, and that will help us to let the spiritual part, that born-again part that we have with God to be seen and observed. Now, Alex, another thing that I wanted to share is the similarity between the word wind and the word spirit. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, they come from the same root avenue in the Greek language, and it is as a mighty rushing wind. You remember John chapter 3, and Jesus used the illustration of the wind coming, and you don't see it coming, but you feel its effect. And so here at Pentecost, you have that rushing mighty wind and the Holy Spirit Mm. coming. And so just tying Scripture in, like you've just done that, with that divided fire and with our dual nature. Listen, this does as well. The Word of God, and those those young people said they want to know God, that they have Mm. evidence that is God. If you'll look in the Word of God and see the consistency of the Word of God and how it ties in, not just the old and new, but even in the new where Jesus taught this, and here this happens at Acts 2, Pentecost, Alex, it's an amazing thing. This this book is not a natural book. This Bible is a supernatural book, brother. Amen. A thousand times. Amen. Uh, and, and the amazing consistency, the unified message, the kingdom of God and how to get in. But uh, Acts 2 verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, in other words, people are talking about this, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And Bert, it, there's a list I've not counted in a while. I think it's about 16 languages mentioned here. And it says, they, they said, are, are not all these men Galileans? But we hear everyone in our own language wherein we were born. And then in 9 through 11, it lists all these different languages uh, Pontus, Asia, Egypt, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying, you know, what is this? What What is this? Now, there's going to be a transition because some mocked and said these men are full of new wine. Some essentially were saying these people are drunk. But Peter is about to preach. Well, Bert, I guess, wouldn't it be fair to say this is the most significant sermon in the history of the church? I would say it is the very first one preached as the Holy Spirit fell in power. Now, let me just share this about what you just shared. This is nearly the opposite of the Tower of Babel, where the languages were confused. Here, the languages are put into one. using, And this is a little bit like heaven. Let me just say this. Because in heaven it says, <coughs> excuse me, every tongue, every language, every tribe, and we're going to be there praising the Lord, singing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb, just the songs that we're going to be singing. And and i got a feeling everybody will be singing in their own language, but we will understand it just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Now, Alex, uh, you might not agree with that, but this is a little bit a picture of heaven, brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think it absolutely is. It absolutely is. 
And just like today, I mean, God is working, whether it be a great move of God like recently at Asbury, or whether it be um, we Christians standing on the truth of God's word, sometimes the unsaved world, they mock. They just don't get it. Uh, they, they would say that we are extremists because we believe in truth. But no, uh, as Peter said, look, Peter says, I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Peter Verse 14, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and listen to my words. These men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they will prophesy. Bert, uh, the Spirit of God fell at Pentecost. The church was born. Um, that very same spirit is working today. And just as I want to say this, and I want your response, dear listener, if you know Jesus, you can proclaim the saving message of the gospel to those around you, just as Peter preached, people throughout the centuries, men and women from, you know, in olden times there were the, the apostles and then there were the great missionaries. I think of people like Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and um, the uh, uh, Elizabeth Elliot that you know, her husband was martyred in South America. Gladys Aylward that went to China. And uh, Bert, uh, you and I have talked about Hudson Taylor. Oh, man. And so <laughs> many. Uh, but you know what, folks? This is our time Amen. to be full of the Holy Spirit and prophesying and proclaiming, isn't it? It is. And you remember one of the young men, I think two of them said this conference, this uh, camp that they're in has helped them and equipped them to be more bold in their witness. And so praise yes. God, the Holy Spirit of God in them will do this. Now, Alex, I want to share this with you. And you said this is a very significant, if not the most significant sermon preached here. And it is the first one. Notice what's in it. There's four things that's in it. I noticed it. So I went to the different commentaries that I use and and they all agreed. So let me share this. These are the four things. And guess what? These four things are still needed in our preaching today. One is a narrative of the public ministry and passion of Jesus. Look at that, if you would. He was crucified in verse 23 and following. It tells about Jesus. And then a divine attestation or a claim of his Messiahship in the resurrection. There he said it. He was risen, and we're witnesses of it testimonies from the Old Testament proving Jesus is the Messiah. You've just read some, but later on it'll get to David about Psalm 16, about this one who, who God is raised up. And then finally, his exhortation to trust the Lord to repentance and faith. Let me tell you, Peter gave a perfect example of presenting the good news of Jesus Christ and challenging those who were there to follow him. We need to do that today, brother. Amen. 
Well said. Uh, I, that's I'd never heard that broken apart like that. But you're right. And all good sermons contain those kinds of of attributes. So Peter he preaches and he backs up what he's saying by multiple references from the Old Testament. That's it. That's those testimonies that they're there. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? In a way, I mean, there's some eschatology or some future things here. Because, by the way, it's been said that the life of Christ, the birth of Jesus, is eschatological. Remember, the Bible says, God, who in times past spoke through his prophets, hath in these last days spoken by his son, Jesus. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, but it was the last days. So we must now be pretty close to the last of the last days. I would agree, brother, yes. He talks about the sun being turned to darkness, the moon being turned to blood, which, of course, we read about in the book of Revelation. But Peter preaches, uh, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's so much I want to say, but I want to ask you, friend, have you called on the name of the Lord? Because I'm going to take verse 21 and give the converse. If whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that means whoever doesn't call on the name of the Lord isn't saved. Am I right? You are right on. And hear this verse. And and notice, this is similar to what Paul did in Romans, going back and picking up Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. And here's Peter going back into the Old Testament, finding this passage, and especially this last one, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved again. He's getting that. that That's in Joel. And so, Alex, what a statement. Here it is. He's tying it in saying the message of Jesus completes what started in the Old Testament, what God started in Genesis, what he said, and now that completion of Jesus Christ coming as Messiah. What a truth. What a message we have. Well, we're going to take phone calls, and that number is 888-589-8840. Give us a question today about the Bible. We'd love to hear it. I made my castle tall. I built up every wall. This is my kingdom, and it needs to fall. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Now, here's the number. Here's the the number we would love for you to call. It's 888-589-8840 if you've got a Bible question. Today's the day because we've got some lines open. And if you're a first-time caller or a multiple-time caller, we would love to hear your question. 888-589-8840. Amen. So let's go to the big text. (laughs) Texas, I'm telling you, it is big there. And, Alan, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Say, uh, let me get to my uh, question real quick. Uh, So uh, uh, Robert Jeffers is uh, preaching on the same book. I don't know if you guys get a chance to listen to him in the morning or in the evening. But uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on something that he said uh, in his message yesterday on the same passage that you just got through talking about in uh, about the uh, gift of tongues. Now, uh, he said that um, 
the uh, gift of tongues is not used today because uh, back in the Corinthian church, paganism started infiltrating into the Corinthian church, and they were bringing their views and they were bringing their their uh, things that you know that they were brought up in the pagan uh, rituals and stuff, and so it it wound up turning into gibberish at that at that point and so he's saying that you know the gift of tongues is not used today and so i was just kind of wanting to get your thoughts on that okay alan thank you let me just share this with you the words the three times in the book of acts not just pentecost chapter 10 chapter 19 when when tongues uh were spoken it is languages it is obvious it's languages in the corinthian church uh it, it is language that is unintelligible it is an I, I call it i don't call it gibberish i call it an ecstatic utterance now there's a difference opinion of whether it has stopped or not uh i i'm not in that category saying all the spiritual gifts it's not a point of separation for his fellowship is concerned but alex i i know i ask you to tell this all the time but i, I every time i get on this subject alex i'm amazed at what took place in South America when you saw what took place in the book of Acts take place where a person that did not know a language spoke that language so that those that were being interpreted to could understand it. That That is amazing, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it really was. And, I mean, I saw this. We were there um, in 2008. We, with folks on the family, went and uh it was wonderful we took 400 youth and 200 adult chaperones we went to peru we were there for i don't know two and a half weeks and we we did dramas and shared the gospel and had fifty thousand conversions uh it was amazing but there was a young man uh and he had come from up in the mountains near Machu Picchu. some of you know that very famous place and he had heard and the funny thing, nobody really knew how he heard other than, I guess, just the Lord told him. But some of our pastors in Lima, Peru, um, said, here comes this guy. Now, everybody spoke Spanish. Uh, he spoke a, a dialect called Chechewan. And he, uh, his grandmother taught him how to speak. Anyway, one of our pastors knew a tiny little bit of Chechewan or Quechuan, and so anyway, nobody could communicate with this guy named Apollinario, but he would pray for us. And so we'd been there, I don't know, nine or ten days, and I was sharing the gospel with a soccer team. There was a soccer team that was drinking liquor out of a bottle, and I walked over there, and honestly, this is what I said, and I can't speak Spanish, but I, I said, guys, um, you're drinking distilled spirits, but if you came to Jesus, you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyway, they looked at me like I was crazy. Suddenly, somebody tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around. It was Apollinario. Now, he's been with us ten, nine or ten days. He couldn't speak English or Spanish. He spoke Chechuan. I look around. Apollinario whispers in my ear. He says, I will translate for you. Preach. I said, thank you. What? Anyway, for the next hour... I shared the gospel. An entire soccer team accepted Christ. I challenged them. I said, if you're serious about Jesus, take that two-liter bottle of vodka. I want you to pour it out on the ground. And they did. All right. 
I preached in English. Apollinario translated in Spanish, and he couldn't even speak Spanish. And an entire soccer. I've got a picture of this later on. A Canadian photographer that was covering how 600 people from Focus on the Family were in Peru. My point. I'll tell you one other thing very briefly, uh, Bert. When I was at Liberty, there was an old old guy, uh, Doctor uh, Taylor. Uh, well, I think his name was. Uh, Chapman, I'm sorry, Dr. Ken Chapman. He was the founder of a very famous Baptist church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he was as fundamental as you get. And let me tell you, he would often tell the story of pastoring. This is back in the 40s. At one point, he pastored in San Diego, California. And one Sunday morning, uh, an Asian lady comes in. And she um, spoke Chinese, but it was a very specific dialect, Cantonese, they later learned. Well, one of his um, men that was a soldier came and led her to Christ. And for an hour, in perfect Chinese, led this woman to Christ and discipled her. And Dr. Chapman said, I knew this man. I knew he didn't know Chinese, and he didn't. And the man later said, when that woman went to the altar, the Holy Spirit told him, said, go lead her to Christ. And he, for the purpose of that, spoke Chinese, Cantonese, in fact. Now, the reason I tell that is because, um, look, I know what I saw and experienced, and our whole team did. And Dr. Chapman was not a man given to exaggeration. So... Bert, here's where I stand. I believe the Holy Spirit of God can do whatever the Holy Spirit of God wants to do. And the miracle of tongues, I've seen it. I know good people that I fully trust who do speak in a prayer language. And I'm just, with all due respect to people that disagree, you travel the world enough, you see God does what God (laughs) wants to do. And I think... Anything you read in the book of Acts, God is still doing. I really believe it. I do as well. And uh, I hope that helps you, Alan. And listen, but this is not a point of a fellowship with individuals. I'll say that. Right. So thank you so much. But, Alex, I want to thank you for telling that story. I love <laughs> it. I've, I've heard it four times now, and I love it well. every time, brother. So keep telling it. It's awesome. Let's go to, I think it's Minnesota and Stephen. Stephen, welcome. Hello. Yes, thank you for calling. Thank you. Well, thank you for accepting my question. Uh, in Acts, it says that uh, Jesus stood. Everywhere else in the Bible, it says he's sitting at the right hand of Christ. But in Acts, I think it's Acts 20 or somewhere, um, it, that he stood when Stephen was being crucified. And I had a gentleman the other night said that uh that he's been standing ever since, and we and I always understood that when he stands, it's because there, he's affecting something here in, on earth. Uh, so, does it say somewhere that he's been standing ever since, or is that just a theory? That is just a statement. Let me just say this: I listen. It Hebrews talks about he's seated at the right hand of God. He is there, and you find it in Revelation. But he was standing there. I, I, I don't know exactly what he was saying to, and 
whispering in Stephen's ear, but I believe he was standing just encouraging and just helpful. But Alex, it doesn't say that he's standing all the way, all the time, does it? No, this is in Acts 8.56, and um, I'm sorry, Acts 7.56. And, you know, it says, Behold, Stephen says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, now that's Jesus, standing on the right hand of God. And this this is really a, a reference to Daniel chapter 7, that the, the Son of Man is there uh, at the right hand of the Father. Um, I'm looking up, and <clears throat> excuse me, it does say standing, but it, it also, the, the word in the English that is translated standing, it can also mean appointed. Now, I'm not disagreeing with the King James Bible because, you know, sometimes Jesus was like seated in a boat, seated by the seashore. Here he's standing, but the word there, it could mean not just the physical stature of standing, but it it really could mean appointed with or co-equal to the Father. At the very least, let me say this, just as Christ the Savior received Stephen when he was stoned to death for the witness of the gospel, Bert, I believe, and I know from having been at the bedside of dying saints, when you, Christian, are leaving this world, Christ is there with the open arms to receive you. And and I think the Acts 7.56, at the very least, um, when a saint dies, he doesn't just go out into a fog of nothingness. He goes to be with the Savior uh, who gave his life for him to be saved. Amen. I agree. Let me read Hebrews chapter 1, and this is quoting from Psalms 110. It says, To which the angels has ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Again, that is the place of authority. It's the place of him making intercession for us, and that's what he is doing. I think he sits there making intercession. He stands in greeting and encouraging. That's just my thoughts. And uh, again, Stephen, thank you for your good call. Well, we want to go to North Carolina, the great state of North Carolina, and talk to Gary. Gary, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Good to talk to you, fellas. I was wondering if you could go in order of the appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. Like I knew we met Mary Magdalene, and then he went to maybe the Emmaus too, and then he met Peter sometime, and then there's the two room room things, and then there's other things after that. I was wondering if you could give it you're doing, order. You're doing pretty good in order, the first four anyway, Alex. Do you, you want to take it off the top of my head, or do you, can you, have you got that memorized as well, like you do so many things, brother? Um, do you know, let me say, I don't know that I have it memorized completely, although I, the best chart on it is um, in, I think the best chart of it is in Norm Geisler's book, When Skeptics Ask. Um, there's a chart of all the, the appearances, but here, here's the thing that, um, Jesus appears. I think the, the first is really to Mary Magdalene, you know, at the empty tomb that's in John 20 and Mark 16. Um, then it says he appears to the other women. Um, then, uh, Jesus appears to Peter. Jesus appears on the Emmaus road. He appears to the disciples 
uh, in the upper room. Um, he appears beside the Sea of Galilee, John 21. We, you and I were just talking about that. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says he appeared to up to 500 brethren at once. And then, you know, uh, to, he appeared to James. Uh, Acts 9, he appears to Saul of Tarsus. Uh, but I think, you know, yesterday when we were reading Acts 1, 1 through 11, that was at the Ascension. And like you said, that was the last time. That's That might not be all of them, but that's close, isn't it? It really is. And again, <clears throat> Gary, uh, there, and, and that's what it said here that we read today that Peter is preaching, that he appeared to them, and then with his works, many infallible proofs. And that was the reason for his uh, presence in there. So thank you for that good call. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, Bert. Hey, Alex. Good to talk to you again. And just listening to you talking about the Pentecost when the, the previous caller had called and talked about the Pentecost. And it's kind of in line with when, because I'm choosing to be cremated, and I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't go against biblical. But to me, when people say there's no such thing as talking in tongues or well, why are you going to be cremated? Because, you know, it says God's going to pull you out of the grave. I said, yeah, but it also talks about the sea is going to give up the dead. And if you're trying to say that God can't put me back together from ashes, you're limiting my God. My God can do anything. So I don't Amen. put limitations on my God. He can pull me back together no matter if I'm a piece over here and a piece over there. He can put me back together, and he can cause people to talk in tongues just as well there's no limits to what god can do amen do you know there's only one place uh, there's they limited the holy one of israel other than the psalms alex we yeah. limit what god wants to do for us we uh, and how do you do that let sin remaining in your life that's the reason as a believer we keep we keep our sins confessed uh we believe god we trust god we delight in him and and so he, but let me share with you. He's always consistent with himself. Now that's Amen. that. That's what I want to know. I he's consistent with himself, so I want to be consistent with him as well. Don't you, Alex? Amen. You know, Bert. Shortly after I got saved, there was some celebrity who said they wanted to be cremated and have their ashes scattered in the ocean where God couldn't get them. <laughs> but Revelation twenty twelve says the dead, small and great, all would appear before God. Uh, let me say, everybody will give an account to their maker one day. They will. And again, we've asked, they've asked us that questions. A lot of folks are going cremation because of finances. and that. But God, he can bring it together. We're going to have that glorified body one day as followers of Christ. Alex, I hope the camp goes great tonight, brother. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, th thanks for being on with me, Bert. It's great. Listen, tell someone about exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.